what a great Sunday already, but it's about to get a whole lot better. Because as I have forementioned, we are very blessed to have Pastor John Mezborian. Do you prefer Mez or Mezborian? Mez, we'll go with Mez. I like Mez. That's kind of how I was going. Come up, man. We're, we're, uh, we're so blessed to have John. Can we welcome him once more as he comes to preach? Awesome. How you doing, True North? You doing well? Hey, thank you so much um, for having me this Sunday. It's always a delight to be uh, up north. Uh, not too sure about the 8.30 service. You, you, you need to know that, look, I, at our church, Life Chapel, we only do 4 p.m. services. So that just speaks a whole nother level. Um, so I'm, I'm really not too sure how this morning is going to go on the 8.30 service because uh, who, who knows? It, who knows? Let's just thank the worship team. Thanks, guys. They're amazing. Thanks for leading us in worship. Hey, um, uh, so... It's been it's been amazing the last uh, couple of years for us. We just had a baby uh, two years ago, and she's turning two tomorrow. And um, I've got a picture. They couldn't be here this morning, but I thought I'd just show you a picture of my wife Sarah and Lexi. There she, they're the two loves of my life. Oh gosh, how life has changed since kids came, hey? How life has changed. And uh, we've got another one on the way in November. So please pray for us because we need it. We need it. Oh, um, it's good. It's great fun. Hey, look, we're, we're going to come around the Word, and as we do, I just want you to open your Bibles to Mark 11, verse number 15. Mark 11, verse number 15. Anyone bought the hard copy? Anyone this morning? The hard, Oh, there we are, committed, right there. Anyone else? Anyone else bought the, oh, another one over there? Um, please, can you please preach for us? Uh, now let, let's go. All right, Mark 11, verse number 15. It says here, When they came to Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area and overturned all the tables and benches of the merchants who were doing business there one by one. He drove them out of the temple courts and they scattered away, including the money changers and those selling doves. And he would not allow them to use the temple courts as a thoroughfare for carrying their merchandise and their furniture. Furniture. Then he began to teach the people, saying, Does not the scripture say my house will be a house of prayer for all the world to share? But you've made it a den of, uh, sorry, you've made it a thieves' hangout. When the chief priests and religious scholars heard this, they began to hatch a plot as to how they could eliminate Jesus, but he feared, but they feared him and his influence because the entire crowd was carried away with the astonishment by his teaching. Awesome. This morning in the 8.30 a.m. service, uh, I want to share a thought on uncomfortable faith. Why don't we just pray? Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you're here now, not just your omnipresence, but your manifest presence where it says where two or three gather, that you are there. You are there to move, to heal, to restore, and to change and transform. And we just pray, God, that you'll transform the way we think. Lord, we thank you for this passage, and we pray that as we open our hearts, you would speak your revelation into our lives. Lord, that we wouldn't just know it, but live it. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you would articulate everything that comes out of my mouth, that there'll be your words alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Well, holidays, July holidays. I'm sure there are many places that we would like to be, right? Many places. And uh, I remember in, when I was in year nine, 1999, and uh, there we were, and it was coming up to holidays, and my mum had organised a trip to Bali, the first time I'd ever been there. Who knows that, you know, around this time, July, that Bali, you know, sun, uh, and, uh, and all, all that, good waves, uh, cheap shopping, great bargain. Any good bargainers around here? Any, 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 you know, you're going out. Who's been to Bali? Who's been to Bali? Give us a wave. That's cool. I love it. I love going in there. I, I like the deal. I like going for the good deal. You know how you go in there and whatever price they give you, you just slash it by 5% and you tell them that's what you're paying for it. You know, and you, you work up from 5%. You're a hard bargain. It, it really helped develop me in year nine. Uh, as a, as a, a 12, 13-year-old uh, boy, uh, it was heaps of fun and uh, enjoyed it and loved the 10 days. And, and then uh, for that, my, my brother... He's four and a half years older. He just turned 18 before the trip. And, and so mum was like, oh, you want to come too? He's like, no, I'm 18 now, mum. I'm an adult. And so he stayed and he's like, I'll stay here and look after the house. Don't you mind? You know, you guys go enjoy yourself. So we did and we flew back and my auntie picked my mum and I up from the airport. And as we drove in, we drove down into our little unit and uh, we opened the door, and as I stepped in, I was met with this, this just whiff, this, this smell of, of teenagers that haven't used deodorant. This smell of mold, this smell of, of you know, dishes and, and all that. And as we come in, the, the, the curtains are shut, and it's real dark, and we come in, and I'm coming, I'm going, whoa, whew, you know, and coming through and I sit there's like bodies on the floor they're they're all alive everybody they're all alive <laughs> there's bodies on the floor there there are people on the couches and that we come to I'm like oh my brother Dan he's gonna get so busted yeah I'm just I'm waiting I'm like oh gosh mum I'm like oh what's she gonna do and then all of a sudden out of the hallway runs my brother obviously from his bedroom he's heard he runs out and he comes he's like oh you're not meant to be here today. You're meant to be coming back tomorrow. And right there and then, I was like, what is mum going to do? Is she just going to explode? You know, I'm like, she's got to throw dishes at his head. You know, you, know you, you need to know that we went in and I walked into the kitchen and there were dishes everywhere in the kitchen. Like there was this, it was just piled up everywhere. But there were so many dishes and not enough kitchen space that they then overflowed into the laundry everybody this it was bad it was it was crazy it was there had been a party or two there you know let's let's not lie and, and I was like what's mum gonna do mum mum just turns to, to Dan and he's like Daniel I'm going out for a cup of coffee and when I get back in an hour and a half this must be spotless and then she walked out. I was like, oh, he got off light. You know, he got off so light. And uh, I guess when you think of this, Jesus is walking into his father's house, the temple. And as he's walking in, he did what my mum wanted to do. Jesus went ballistic. You know, just imagine you're walking. Jesus is walking into his father's house. And as he's walking in, he's seeing all these tables and money changes on it and seats everywhere. And then he's got cattle. And not only that, 
But this dude over here, instead of going around, do we have a picture of the temple? Can we put the picture of the temple up? Instead of going around the temple, it's a pretty big place. So instead of going around, people are just grabbing, you know, their 50-inch LCD screens, you know, and they're just walking through the temple courts in their furniture, you know. They've got their couches. They're like picking that thing up instead of walking all the way around. You know what? Let's take the shortcut straight through. And so everyone's doing that. Jesus, he's like going around. All of a sudden, I just imagine he steps back and he steps into a cow patty, you know, a fresh cow patty. He didn't have boots on back then. It was sandals, everybody. <laughs> that, that, that cow patty was going through his toes. And I could just imagine in that moment, Jesus blows up. We see Jesus, son of God, absolutely lose it. He goes absolute ballistic. I don't know about you, but Jesus is there, and he's like, ah, he's like throwing things. Ah, you know, he's like angry and all that. And, and Whoa, he's going so angry. I know you guys are like ready to take me out now. But I just want to know what the, did the disciples do as well? Like, just think, this is the most passionate, loving man they've ever ever met. They've been living with him for what, two, two and a half, almost three years following him. They'd never seen him get upset. They'd never seen him. But all of a sudden, they're like, Jesus has lost the plot. What do they do? Uh, did they just be like, I'm angry too. Ah, kick the chair. You know, angry. You know, what, what did they do? And it's just amazing that they see for the very first time, they see Jesus absolutely lose it. He is angry, everybody. And I, we're not just talking about a small space like, like this facility here. We're, we're talking about temple court. That, that's the outer court. All that, that outside area, you see the, the middle is sort of the inner court, but the outer court, there is so much of that space. You know, we need to really know why? Why is it that Jesus was so enraged? Why was it? And it, it says in Isaiah 56, verse number 7, it says, These I'll bring to my holy temple, sorry, to my holy mountain, and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Whose nation? All all nations. You know, in the law of the Torah, that, that was the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it was, it was by law that the Jewish people would travel from all over the Roman Empire. So they would come out, all these Jews would come in this one time in the year, and they would travel far and wide, and they would come to bring their atoning sacrifice. Now, you know, this table, what the atoning sacrifice was, was they spilt the blood of bull and goats, so it would cover, it would cover their sin, just like I've semi-covered that table. You could have an old table, but you could cover it, and it looks new, but it's not new. So that was like the sins of the Jewish people. They, the, the blood of bulls and goats wasn't enough to uh, renew them and make them whole, but it did cover their sin, right? And each year they would have to cover their sin and it wasn't until Jesus would come and die on the cross that it would be covered for all. Sin had been covered for all time. And so in that space and place, people would travel 
And what they'll do is they'll bring their bulls, their goats, their cattle with them. But then through the years, through doing this over, you know, 50, 60, hundreds of years, they sort of got a bit smarter at how they'll do it. Hey, you know what? Instead of me bringing my goat and my bull or my dove, what I'll do is I'll just bring my money from where I come from and I'll just come with my money and I'll go and then what we'll do is we'll set it up so we can, it'll be a little bit easier, is you just come into the outer court and you come to me and I'll be here and I'll exchange your money from your outer, whatever that currency is, and then I'll, trans, I'll change it for the currency that you need right now to, to use in the temple court. And then what you can do is then you go from the, the, the money exchanges and then you go to the person that is selling the cattle, bull, goats, or maybe doves, depending on how wealthy you are. That was the sacrifice you would need to bring. And so then you would buy that there and then, and it, it would come in and then you would bring it so that you and your family can be atoned for, can be covered. Your sins can be covered and pacified. You can pacify God, um, God's um, wrath over your life. And so as they did that, out of temple courts, they'll think, all right, let's make some money through this now. Let's put a percentage on there and let's, let's sell the cattle for a little bit more for the ease. And, and I think when we come around here, I don't think there's a problem in making things easier. I don't think God has a problem with making life easier. But the problem was, it wasn't the tables and it wasn't the seats that were the problem. It was actually where they'd set everything up. If we go to the picture of the, the outer court, so let's go to the next slide. It should have, you see, it was a pop-up marketplace there, and in that outer court, what was that outer court for? That outer court was, next slide, it was the court of the Gentiles. It was the only place in the temple that you could come if you weren't a Jew and still worship God. Did you know that the place that matters the most in our lives, that place that resembles our life, because this temple is an Old Testament picture of now in the New Testament and the New Covenant, who's the temple? We, we are. We're the temple. You see, it says, it says here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 to 17 in NIV, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27, it says in the Passion Translation, you are the body of the anointed one and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. You see, they violated God's house in the outer court, but it's okay, right? If we go back to that picture... It's okay if we violate the outer part and just make it easier for everyone on the outer part because the inner court's still okay and holy. It's still, it's still set apart from God. And sometimes we can live a life like that where the outside of our lives, you know, where the, the going to work and all that sort of stuff, all that, it, it doesn't really matter what I do there, right, God? It doesn't really matter how I act with that person or what I say to that person because I come to church, and when I come to church, 
I worship you and honor you, and, and that's my sacred space. And even in the, the inner court, you would have the most holy place. That would be, you know, your Bible studying and your time where you're talking to God. God, I haven't changed that area, but it's amazing that God, what was it that Jesus, why was it that Jesus was so angry? It was because the space on the outside was actually for the lost And the more and more we get comfortable in our lives, the more and more the lost have no place in our life. Wow. I want to talk to you a little bit about living an uncomfortable faith. I I don't think God wants your life to be uncomfortable just so you can live a difficult life. But I think God wants us to live an uncomfortable life so others can know His love for them. And so... You know, we, we need this, we need to live this, this uncomfortable faith. When I think of faith, you know, a lot of the time when I ask people, what, what's the opposite of faith? A lot of people say fear. And as I've sort of looked at it and gone, you know, what, what's the definition of faith? Is believing in something that hasn't happened yet. Fear is often the same, believing in something that hasn't happened yet. It's actually the same. One's positive and one's negative. But what would happen if I proposed that the opposite of faith is actually certainty? Is actually knowing exactly everything and knowing that. And we wonder when God has called us to live a life of faith, that God's actually called us to step out into uncertain things. When I read the Bible, I read the disciples in Mark 6 verse 45 where Jesus says to them, hey, disciples, I want you to jump in the boat and I want you to cruise across to the other side of the sea. And they're like, no worries. And Jesus like, I'll see you over there. They're like, cool, cool. They get in the boat. And as they're halfway through, what happens? This big storm comes. Just imagine, I reckon this is the first time that Jesus' name was, was used as a swear word. There they are, they're, almost, they're about to die, they're fearing for their lives because the waves are big and there they are, they're like, Jesus, Jesus told us to come out here, Jesus told us to head this way and we're all going to die now, Jesus. I could just imagine it, I could imagine it, them being there, it's like, and sometimes we, we're like that too, Jesus asks us to go somewhere or do something and something doesn't work out to our pretty plan that we had in our mind where everything's just smooth sailing but the storm, the waves are coming, there we are, we're like, and we think that because that's happening that it mustn't be Jesus' will, it mustn't be God's will because oh, it's a, it's a bit uncomfortable here and a, oh, it's not, you know, God has asked us to step out and live a life of faith and in faith is uncertainty. When, when I felt God put on my heart to plant a church, it, it, was, it was a seed at, at, start, at the first, and it, the seed started to grow and started to tell my wife after a couple of months, and she's like, no ways. <laughs> she's like, what, what are you doing? Because we, we, we were loving what we were doing. We are loving the church we were in, but we felt compelled to go out. And I remember speaking to Pastor David and going, Pastor David, I feel like God's asking me to go out and do this, but I'm not 100% sure. And he's like, well, if you're 100% sure, you'd be always certain of everything and it wouldn't need or require any faith any, anyway, would it? And I'm like, yeah. You know, there's that, that margin of where we are now, where we, we need to go, where we need to step to and what Jesus wants for our life. And it takes that step of faith that uncertainty stepping out in there. And it's in that uncertain space 
where God actually moves. He doesn't move in the certainty. No, he moves in the uncertainty. He moves in the faith realm where we step out in faith. You know, Joseph thrown in prison, but then he then, you know, saves the nation from a, a crazy famine that would have wiped them out. It's amazing. It was faith and a life of faith that he lived. We, we, we see David, a shepherd boy, fighting a warrior giant, a nation saved as well. All these stories are stories where people have been through uncomfortable situations and stepped out in faith. And because of that, God has used them and has moved through them. It's amazing. Paul, in a prison, writing seven books of our New Testament Bible in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And as he's writing them, he's writing them in a prison cell, everybody. And as I, as I read them, I can't tell that he's in a prison cell. I can't tell. It, it doesn't, he doesn't smell of smoke. He's in the fire, but doesn't smell of smoke. He's in this space and place, but still it's not coming out. It's not this negative vibe that's coming out, but he's there encouraging Timothy. Hey, my son, keep on going. Hey, God's got you. Hey, no matter what. He, he's, he's in this space and place of, of encouraging these guys to live a life of faith that's sometimes uncomfortable. Jesus displays his uncomfortable faith on the cross. You see, Mark 15, verse 37, in the Passion Translation, says, Just then, Jesus passionately cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Right there in that moment, it was, it was the sign to say, hey, this, this big veil that was quite wide and thick, and it would separate the people from God's holy presence. And in that moment, it was torn. In that moment, all of a sudden, there was a connection now between God's presence and just normal people like you and me, our average garden variety people. And I love that because it shows us that Jesus was always for all nations, for all people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter where you are, where you live, what you drive. Jesus is for everyone. That was God's heart. For God so loved the world, everyone in it, that he gave his one and only son. But in our lives, we can become so comfortable that we forget why we are here. You see, we don't go to church, but we are the church. We don't go to church, but we are the church. You see, this, this right here, this isn't game day. This is actually training. Game day is when we leave from this place. Game day is tomorrow where we're, we're actually in game day. We're actually going out. The church is moving. The church is doing its thing. More people should be finding the, the love of Jesus Christ come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's not just to bring your friend to Sunday and hopefully they would know Jesus there. It's actually we come together. And, and I love it because in Ephesians, it writes it so clearly in 4 verse 11 to 12. It says here, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? Get this, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I love that. The equipping of saints. Who are the saints? 
It's believers in Christ. We're not talking about someone that's done a miracle and has been a pope and then all of a sudden they get um, ordained as a saint. No, 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 no. What they're talking about saints here is believers in Christ, followers of Jesus, that we come together so we can equip you. Why? So you can do the ministry, the work of the ministry. You know, we've watered this down as a church and done a pretty bad job. And, and we, we thought that ministry is actually being on staff in a church where, in fact, ministry was always believers in Christ going out. And ministry was short for administer. And what do we do? We go out from here and we administer Christ. As a doctor would administer medication to someone, we administer Jesus Christ to people. We administer the love of God to people. We go out from here and we, we start giving that away, giving that away. That's what we're here to do. See, when you're at work, you're in your place of ministry to administer Jesus in your workplace. When you're, when you're hanging out with your family, when you're with your friends, we're all in these places. Why? To administer Jesus. See, uh, has the church, have we become too busy? If that temple, if that would represent your time in your life, if we can show that picture of the temple, if, if that outer, if that whole thing, if this whole area represented your time, it's amazing that two-thirds of your time should be around Gentiles and one-third should be in the inner court. I don't think Jesus built it like that for a reason. I don't think he wanted, God wanted it built like that for any reason to actually say to us that our lives, when we're at work, we're given our two-thirds, and they're for the Gentiles. We're, they're, they're for people that don't know Jesus. They're for people that Jesus wants to show his love. But, but I find that even myself, I'm preaching to myself, is that we busy our lives up. You know, the other, the other day, two weeks ago, uh, my next-door neighbor was over his house, and um, they got a few kids, and they play with our kids and that. And as I was over there, he was telling me of, how his back was so sore, and, and I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, I've gone to see, you know, the physio, I'm like, oh, I've got a good physio as well, you know, and, and all that, and, and I went back, and, and I felt God just speak to me, go, well, why didn't you pray for him? And I was, I felt so convicted, because it didn't even come into my head, <laughs> I'm meant to be a pastor, but you know what, how, how much do we keep in our comfort zone, and not step out and get a bit uncomfortable with our faith and go, hey, can I pray for you there? Hey, hey, you know what? I had this and this is what I did. I actually had someone pray for me. You know, we, we use our own testimonies to tell people about the love of Christ and, and what God wants to do for our lives. But what would happen if we decluttered our lives? What would happen if we created margin of space and time in our lives? Imagine if we had margin in our finances, what we could do and how we could bless people and help people. It says here, so Jesus declutters everything in the outer court of the Gentiles. And what happens? In Matthew 21 verse 14, it says here, Then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts, and Jesus healed them all. 
And the children circled around him, shouting out blessings and praises to the son of David. You see, when we declutter our lives, we create space for people to see Jesus. When we live our life, not of comfort, not of just, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to go about my week and I'm just going to do that. And then when I go home, yeah, I'll, I'll pray and I'll do that. But when we live our lives in this space where we get a bit uncomfortable for Jesus, when we, we step out a little bit and we, we tell people about him, that's when people see Jesus. That's what we're here to do, church. That's what we're here. We're here to be Christ's body. Amen. We're here to be his hands and feet. When we're praying, Jesus, I just pray for my work colleagues. Lord, just go and meet them and speak to them. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> and I'm trying to use you. If I can have the worship team come and help me, that'll be great. Jesus doesn't just want to move in you. He wants to move through you. We live our lives coming to church and going, all right, fill me up for another week, Jesus. And then he fills us up and then we leave this place and it's like a, 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 a tank for our spirit. And then we go out and we, we do our living and we do this and that and we come back and we're almost empty, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, yeah, I read my Bible a few times just to put a little bit more gallons in there, a bit more liters in my tank, you know, and keep me going through the week. But the truth is, is Jesus doesn't want to just fill you, doesn't just want to work in you, but he wants to work through you. Yeah. It's not what God can do for me, it's what God can do through you. Yeah. If we can sing, oh, oh, come to the altar, that would be awesome, guys. And, um, and I just think, man, imagine, imagine if the church didn't just go to church, but imagine if we we lived the church if we actually were the church we went out here and we were the church we didn't just see church as a meeting and a gathering but we saw church as people going out and meeting people and inviting people and hanging out and speaking life into those areas you know I'm preaching to myself this morning I'm preaching to me and I know that in my life I've cluttered up my life I've lived a safe life and it's like we live this life and we're taught to keep things safe we've put we've, we've we're taught to be like think safe Sam spot the hazard assess the risk and make the changes it's true we don't read certain Bible passages because we've spotted the hazard we've assessed the risk and we've made the changes <laughs> I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that part of the Bible. I just want to read the parts that Jesus loves me. You know, I just want to read those parts. It's true. It's true. You know, I heard someone say once that spell faith, it's R-I-S-K. And sometimes it is a bit of a risk. Sometimes our faith, in living a life of faith, stepping out of the boat, when Jesus says, come, the disciples stepped out, Peter stepped out. I think that's where we see God move. And I would love to pray with us. Maybe you're in this place and maybe, maybe you have lived a bit comfortable. And maybe as I've read, maybe you do feel like you've made things a bit more convenient in your life. And God actually wants to use you and he wants you to step out. You know, 
I would love to pray with you. So if we can all just stand to our feet and just close your eyes. And if that's you in this place, it's definitely me. And you're saying, I, I feel like I probably need to live a faith that's a bit more uncomfortable, a bit more inconvenient. Just lift your hands to Jesus right now. I just want to pray for all of us in this building. Father God, I thank you for every single person that has their hands lifted that said, God, I have played it safe. God, I have lived a faith that's quite comfortable. I have, I have set up tables and chairs and the conveniences around that, like the temple court. But Father God, right now, I come to the altar and I give you my life afresh. And God, I pray, use me. Lord, I want to step out in faith. I want to live an uncomfortable faith. I want people to see Jesus. Father God, I pray for my life, God. Lord, Lord, may we be more like you, Jesus. May we live for you, Jesus. May we share our testimonies. May we share your joy. May we share your love. May we preach the good news. And may we make disciples. Jesus, may you, may you transform the way we think so we can think more and more like you. Because God, we want to live for you. Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Not just so we can be filled, but Lord, so you can move through us. Move through us. God, we pray for opportunities this week where we can share our faith, share stories of you, share testimonies of how good you are, God. God, we thank you that you're a great God, you're a good God, and it's who you are. And we praise you, Jesus, because we are not ashamed of the gospel of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise and let's sing this. Oh, come to the altar.